Yeah. Say hello to the bad guy. Bad guy. The good guy coming last place. You smell that dope when I pass by. I let my money at a fast pace. All right, welcome to Say Hello to the Bad Guy. I'm your host, Locke, and this is the podcast where we drink, smoke, and bullshit about the life of a historic criminal. Now we're talking outlaws and gangsters. We're not going to cover too many serial killers. That's just a little bit dark for me, and this ain't no true crime podcast. But honestly, you can't call this a history podcast because I'm no historian. I'm just a history fan that does some research and bullshits about it with his friends. So speaking of my friends, let me introduce you to my co-host. So first with us today, we got DC. What up, doe? Happy to be back. And also with us today, we got J-Bone. Hey, everybody. How's it going? And then also after coming off a big hiatus, we got back in the studio, Bugs. Yo. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> As you can see, a little rusty, working out the kinks. Yeah, welcome back, guys. I'm glad to be here. Thank you. Kind of coming off of uh, everything opening up. After COVID a little bit, finally able to get everybody back in the studio because a lot of the people don't know, but we had a lot of old stuff that we'd re-released, mm-hmm. and uh, now we're finally starting to get to recording regularly. But I realized at one point we were, yeah, we were releasing like Christmas episodes, like stuff that was recorded over Christmas. Like, oh man, yeah. we need to get back to recording. Or the truth is, you know, Locke gave us a little ransom. We had to pay a fee in order to come back on the podcast. You know, it was this whole thing that he's probably not going to tell you all about, but, you know, I have no problem talking about it. So, DC, you're not the only one that got blackmailed to be exactly. here? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, if the podcast has taught us everything, everybody's got to kick up. Yeah. Right? I mean, like, that's kind of the lesson of the show. It's how, it's how this thing of ours works. Exactly. The black hand of served. <laughs> so we'll hit these drinks real quick. Uh, you want to kick us off, DC? Sure. Um, I have a very, very, very high alcohol content Heineken. Uh, it's a, a new Heineken that they brought out. It's like 300% alcohol. No, I have uh, the new non-alcoholic Heineken because I am taking a slight hiatus on drinking, uh, but I'll be back soon enough. So everybody, go ahead and hit us up on Instagram and let us know, is DC less funny <laughs> when he's sober? Bring now, back the, now the pressure's on. <laughs> Bring back the boobs. I appreciate the effort because, like he said, he said he wasn't going to come on with no no drinks at all because he's about to bring some water. Exactly. Yeah. But with me being on the show drinking mm-hmm. uh, Gatorade, I think a couple times, you uh-huh. know, I appreciate that. That's interesting. <laughs> I try to do what I can. So J Bone, you brought something that's actually got some alcohol in it today. Sure. Yeah. Uh, by New Holland, they've been on the show a ton. Um, it's called the Poet. It's an American oatmeal stout. Fat dudes, oatmeal stouts have been all across this platform, but I haven't tried the New Holland Poet. Have you guys tried it, by the way? I don't know if it's been on the show. Have you tried it? Yeah, I'm a I'm a big fan. The one thing that, as I'm looking at the can, is normally the Poet had a raven on it because it's themed off of Edgar the Allan Poe. Allen Poe. Right. Yeah, so I don't know. That looks like it's a windmill instead of a... That's what I was it definitely at. is a windmill, too. but Holland... Like the country Holland mm-hmm. is all dikes and windmills. Like this is. So there is a raven over in the little corner. Yeah, they changed different... up the art. It's got all that stuff. Like if you're into the post stuff, it's got the crescent moon. And so it's paying homage to all of the different ways that it's got Holland and New Holland and then the raven, you know, the, yeah. the post. I don't think I've ever had a bad beer from New Holland. I've had some bad beers before. Just not from oh, yeah. New Holland. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Bugs? 
It's imported from Mexico. It's a new one. I don't know if you guys ever heard of it or not. Let me know if you guys have. Uh, Modelo Especial. Never oh, heard of that. Never one. heard of it. <laughs> it's one of my favorites. Uh, some light. It's probably our most common of the uh, non-craft variety. Yes. Yeah. It'd yeah. be the most common that we've had. And honestly, we've had. Modelo, we've had Modelo Negro, we've had... Uh, I brought a Chilada. Yeah, the Chilada. Yeah. So we've, we've hit the whole Modelo line. Hey, and that's big time. We hit a lot of these craft places, I understand. You know, the you know times is tough, you know, pockets are a little low, but come on, man. Uh, Modelo, <laughs> you guys got money, bro. You got that fucking UFC money. You could throw us a fucking... At least throw us a tweet or something. We ran through the whole product right. line. <laughs> right. All right. Um, what are you going with, by the way? Oh, Lott? yeah. Uh, so I got a Odd Sides, another local brewery, Bean Flicker, which is a blonde ale with coffee. I like Bean Flicker. Um, so most of the time when you get coffee beers, it's a lot of stouts and porters. Uh, I didn't know this cancer actually taught it to me before, but out of the light beers, your blonde ales is also the other direction you can go for mixing, you know, like chocolate or coffee. Vanilla, any, oatmeal. Yeah, that. any of those kind of things you want to go with. Mm-hmm. You could do that with a blonde ale too. So it's a coffee blonde ale, and I like it because I like the coffee beers. I like the dark beers, but it kind of gives you that feel or taste. A little but, crisp, lighter. Like... Yeah, but it's yeah easier drinking version than drinking a porter. It is summer. So I have to nice. edit this now because we have a timely reference. <laughs> uh, it is summer. So, yeah, this is like a, you know, gives you that dark beer kind of fix without having to have a thick-ass fucking glass of tar. When it's 30 below and it gets dark out at 3.30 p.m., yeah, we drink motor oil down here on, in the studio. But uh. I do want to shout out real quick. I, I was out to eat with a friend yesterday, actually. It was a fancy restaurant. They had, like, wines, and I, I don't know. I didn't – looking at them, I'm like, I don't know what to get. So I ended up getting a Founder's Porter with my dinner, like a steak dinner with potatoes, mm-hmm. and I was like, Founder's Porter. And I was just sitting there. I was like, yeah, Locke would be proud right now. There you go. Nice. Every time I'm learning more and more about different – beer stuff like what combinations or what where you can find certain flavors you like but more in a lighter crisper beer or you know stuff like that this podcast i learned a lot so thank you we try (laughs) well look we got a lot of we got a lot of listeners out there in malta that need to hear us babble about michigan beers for eight minutes (laughs) every (laughs) fucking week (laughs) um like always, we got to make sure we thank Sixfo Sueno for letting us use the music in the intro. I thank Cancer for letting us use his music in the mid roll. So you can follow them on Instagram. It's Sixfo Sueno. It's F O E. And then Cancer, it's Cancer the God. The E is a three. But yeah, go follow them on Instagram. You know, support local businesses, support local artists. We'll go ahead and get started. And the bad guy we're covering today is Marion Columbus Hedgepath. This ain't negotiation time. This is Scarface, final scene, fucking bazookas under each arm. Say hello to my little friend. Now that is the name. I need at least three aliases for that one. (laughs) I think I got you. Actually. (laughs) Is this gentleman a Jewish gentleman? No. No. Marion Hedgepath. The handsome bandit. (laughs) The The debonair debonair bandit. And the Derby Kid. Okay. All right. I like the debonair one, you know. Swab, debonair, bandit. And the Derby Kid, I'm lo- is this like 1920s-ish? I'm just guessing off of nicknames. He'll rob time you, frame. but he's going to wipe wipe the gun off with his handkerchief first. 
you know, I talk about a lot on the podcast is there's always, when I start doing research, there's always one odd thing, Mm -hmm. you know, that catches my attention that makes me decide if someone's getting covered or not. It's never what it should be. Mm -hmm. And in this one, it was 100% the debonair bandit. (laughs) I didn't get past that. Like, I see Marion Hedgepath, the debonair bandit, and we're like, yep, that's say hello to the bad guy material right there. I like that one. If we could have called him the Dapper Don, it would have been complete. (laughs) We'll also say this before we get started. We're going to say this is based on a true story. So his information is really hard to get. And a lot of it, there's some inconsistencies. So I did the best job of like multi-sourcing what I could and coming up with what seemed like the most accurate, but also it's the version I like. So it's what (laughs) we're going with. Put it this way. I have two different birth dates for him that are nine years apart. Exactly. So that's how (laughs) iffy it is. It's not like one's in August and one's in May. No. One's in 1956. One's in 1864. Mm-hmm. That's two very odd specific numbers that are fucking yeah. way off and shit. Yeah. So, so just, I'm saying, if you're listening and you got some different information, I know there's the, uh, you know, the Forgotten Bandit book. I've, mm-hmm. I've seen it all. So if I'm not going with what you've heard, it doesn't mean I didn't read what you read. I'm just saying this seemed like the version that was most easy to multi-source i mean well we know he was born in the 1800s give or take a hundred years yeah so as long as we know that everything else is fine yeah basically this is a true story i mean maybe but exactly it's like young guns when billy the kids by the side of the road and a car drives by like he's telling this like all right dude what 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 era do you come from so marion hedgepath was born april 14th 1856 in prairie home missouri both his parents were poor farmers, and Marion hated farm life. His first run-in with the law occurred at 15, when he was arrested for robbing a local general store. And he opted to run away, and just said, fuck this place, fuck this farm, fuck these cops, I'm running away. And just basically ran off into the West to go find work as a cowboy at 15. You know, one of those things that you almost take for granted, nowadays people can't do anything, we know of course coming out of the pandemic, when all the stores had shortages and everything, we were, you know, just short of a, a countrywide riot. And literally, you have 15-year-olds back in the 1800s that run away to different states, right? Do you know how good you have to know the land, how to live on the oh, land? Oh, there's no highway signs. Yeah. Right. It's like, oh, go left. Wait, my GPS is acting like, exactly. you know. You can't have a little like a uh, a little compact freezer with you in your car. Like literally, they're running away to another state. It amazes me. When your car breaks down, I mean, your horse throws a shoe. Like <laughs> now, I'm walking a couple states. In 1850s Missouri, yes. running away, you could die. Yes, there yeah, wasn't even a railroad yet connecting all the way out there. Like shit. It's literally called the Wild West. You're yeah. a fucking child. <laughs> But then again, he's 15, so is he a child? I mean, I don't know. It's time to go Back fucking. in those days, yeah, yeah that's probably. Well, that's you're going through age. native territories, like <laughs> mm-hmm. hostile tribes. Yeah. You're going through, you know, regular other cowboys that are trying to set up the Wild West. Yeah. And even just living off the land itself, being able to eat, I'm pretty sure you're not getting a kill every day. So knowing what plants you can and can't eat, how to get water, how to make sure it's. You know, you're not getting bad water, you know. Modern conveniences, like, too. When we hunt, you go to Gander Mountain, get some ammo, and mm-hmm. you can, you got clips. and th- If he had a gun, you got a one-shot muzzle-loading, like, mm-hmm. you know, black-powdered boy. Like, oh, man. I'd imagine huh? a gun. You run. miss a shot, the buffalo scatter. <laughs> like, well, hope I eat next week. Not a lot is known over his, of his life over the next five years. 
spends his time doing a cowboy, which it seems like every one of these Western fucking outlaws just at some point goes and learns how to be a cowboy first. And uh, you get good at poker. You get good at shooting. <laughs> <laughs> he quickly developed a skill as one of the fastest quick draw, draw artists in the West. And he would spend some time traveling from town to town as a gun for hire. So now that's another thing, another reason I want to cover him. You know, you hear a lot of these guys, you know, we always assume all these Western guys are quick draw artists. When Mm -hmm. you start covering these guys, a lot of these guys didn't even, like they carried six shooters, but, Mm -hmm. you know, their go-to weapon was a shotgun or a Winchester or something like that. A lot of people consider him the fastest quick draw artist that nobody's ever heard of. Mm. There's always people like, oh, he's the fastest quick draw in the West, all this. All right, so it's like how every movie that comes out is the number one movie in America. Like, <laughs> all right, all right, I get it. Well, it was, no, num- just... it was number one on July 21st. <laughs> like... <laughs> so, no, some people that never been able to go to another state. It's just like, yeah, this kid's well, yeah. the best. He's the greatest. In our town of 23 people, he was the best, the hands best. down. Well, and there's a lot of number ones because number two dies. Yeah. That's how that game works. It's true. You're either the fastest or you're dead. That's mafia boss times 10. Like, <laughs> hey, the next fastest, you'll hear about him in a minute because he's going to kill this guy. He spends a lot of time traveling town to town as gun for hire. Alan Pinkerton of the Pinkerton Detective Agency, which we'll come back into the story later, but, you know, they're one of the biggest pink, uh, detective agencies, like kind of the original. They go, they go after Billy the Kid and some of these people we just mentioned. That specific... Yeah. So Alan Pinkerton described Marion. He talked about like a time, which is like kind of like his go-to story, where another outlaw had already drawn down on him and had his gun pulled on him, and he was able to draw and shoot him in the heart and kill him with one shot. Sound like that first guy, you know, maybe he was just trying to scare him, and he probably didn't understand in the wild, wild west, you don't scare people. If you draw your weapon, you use it. So for me to already have it drawn in on you, nobody's that fast to just, like, you should already be shot. What are you waiting for? Right. <laughs> what E-40 teach us? What the fuck you got a gun for if you're going to hesitate? <laughs> That's yes. right. It's That's like, a very true statement, E-40. Like thank you. Tombstone, when he, uh, when, uh, Wyatt Earp kept slapping the dude and telling him to pull his gun. It's like, <laughs> pull it. Pull it. What did he? What did he say? What was the phrase? He tells him, "Yank that, that smoke sk- wagon." Smoke wagon. That's what it was. I was. Oh, like, he says. Wait a he says, "Skin, skin that smoke wagon." <laughs> is what he tells him. Yeah. Listen, I don't know what you, what kind of fear you have to see in a man to let him slap you, and then slap you while you have a weapon and he does not. That is some next level fear to have in another man. Right, because that conversation starts with the guy saying, you run you run your mouth off a lot for a guy that ain't got a gun. He's like, yeah. Yeah, I don't got to need a gun. I don't need a gun to smack the <laughs> yeah. shit out of you. That was a classic uh, scene. During his time as a cowboy, uh, Marion Hedgepath would end up having to flee both Colorado and Wyoming on separate occasions, running for murder charges. Oh, wow. By the time he was 20 years old, he was a full-time outlaw working with local gangs as a train robber. It was kind of his go-to gig, and he was described as a talented but disinterested student of the art of train robbing. Mm. He's good at it, but he just ain't picking up what I'm laying. But like, man, you got critics like in that life? You ask, hey, sir, why didn't you enjoy it? It's just not my passion. It's not my thing. And over time, he will do like every different type of train robbing. So they did, they would rob trains where they would go on as passengers. And once it's on, they put on their mask and then go rob the place and they rob the train. And then their guys would run up with the horses and their horse and they jump, jump off the off. train under the horses or 
they would stop them and do it highwayman style where mm-hmm. they would fucking just stop the whole fucking train on its own and then rob it from a you know be at a town when it comes to fill up for water they jump out of a building and that makes sense like if i was great at everything i do like he's train robbing he's so good at it like there's no more surprises it's not fun it's just <laughs> another another thing for him sometimes they would uh if they knew there was a spot they could catch him at the faster riders head them off at the pass yeah would head them off and jump on the train and then force the train to stop and the rest (laughs) of them would fucking rob it like that's a tough living you know well like how they referred to it earlier as an art form was that what you said yeah well but like you say it's a tough life but when those trains when all your money on the east coast is going out to build the west Mm -hmm. today if we got a strong box full of gold just the four of us could split it. And we're pretty good today. If you got a strong box, one good strong box back mm-hmm. in the 18, whatever, even if it's 1950, fucking trunk of gold's a trunk of gold. So, yeah. and they're not looking at it like from our perspective, like, hey, three of those, we each got a, a, a that time worth of millions. You know, they're like, yeah, just spend the money at the saloon. Let's just keep robbing. Like, I don't care about the value. I'm not trying to be the richest man in the world. Yeah. Trying well, to be see, the greatest fucking train robber. That's the thing about the fast life, and that hasn't changed to the, this day. Yeah, right. to this day, and it's you. You live fast, you get fast money, you spend it fast. You know, nobody's looking at. I just need to do this one lick, and then I can retire and not be a criminal anymore. It's like, okay, let's spend that and let's go do another one. You don't gotta tell me about that fast life. I just seen F nine last night. You know what I'm saying? I'm <laughs> I'm currently living my life a quarter mile at a time. Oh <laughs> yes, it's all for the family. <laughs> Be familiar. <laughs> I don't think anybody would have thought that this Fast and Furious series would go on this long, but somehow they just keep making movie after movie after movie. And uh, I mean, I like the earlier ones better. But it's one thing you can always say. They make it exciting. Even if it's all, well, it was even cheesy CG back in the day. But still, even if none of it is real, (laughs) they still make it exciting. Well, they're now they're now international spies. They started off stealing uh, DVD VCR combos. Yeah, yes, yes. And now I've seen them sell a VHS nuclear bomb, players. a submarine. <laughs> Hold uh, on, you're talking about selling nuclear bombs. I seen the Rock steer a nuclear yeah. fucking missile. Okay, ride it like a yeah. mechanical bull, like steer it and throw it at something. <laughs> like fuck yeah. Soon they're gonna be fighting the Guardians of the Galaxy. Yep, that's next. But. If we had to count on a person to throw a nuclear missile, I mean, we'd have to go with the rock, yeah, right? Obvious, <laughs> obvious choice. If anybody's going to get it done, it's going to be fucking obvious the rock. Obvious choice. So Marion always stood out amongst other Western outlaws. He was described as six foot tall and handsome. He had a dark complexion and had wavy, slick back hair. He also didn't dress like a cowboy or outlaw either. So his go-to outfit was uh, he would always wear a spotless white shirt and a blue suit with a bowler hat. Nice. And he'd wear them with uh, diamond stick pins and tie pins. He always took pride in his appearance. You know how hard it is to keep a shirt white in the West? That was it's the hard thing to... I thought of. I was yeah. like, what? White? Like, you don't get mud when your horse is riding? Like, how does that make sense? It's hard to dress like a pimp in a velvet blue suit now in modern times. Riding around on a horse, jumping off trains and shit. Like... And he's got little diamond pins in the suit. Like, come on, Iceberg Slim. Come the fuck on. He had like a little poncho right before he went and robbed the train. He'd go throw on or something. <laughs> Some of his early wanted posters described him as easy to spot because he would be the one of the only people wearing fine, well-polished dress shoes. <laughs> to ride a horse, to knock over a train. That's hilarious. 
hey, look at everybody's shitty shoes. Here comes Marion in some gator fucking cowboy boots. Holy shit. That's, that's why, him. That's yeah. why he was quick at drawing because he walks in and there's some like drunk missing a tooth with the clothes he's been wearing for a month. Decides to run his mouth and Marion just bah! real quick. <laughs> at least we know now why he's not uh, interested also. It's like every time he went out, like you said, the shirt, he's like, man, every time we do these trains, I get dirty. I got to go six towns over to find a lady to clean everything. That has to be a tough life, man. Polished shoes. You know how hard it is to keep polished shoes riding a horse in the West? Dude, it's hard to work a sales gig in Detroit with (laughs) keeping shoes shoes polished. So, yeah, the fucking Wild West with dirt roads? That's fucking impossible, man. We're in modern-day air conditioning and shit. You're riding a horse in your velvet suit and your bowler hat and your diamond pins. Very debonair. Exactly. So people described his appearance of that of a European businessman as opposed to a Missouri gunman. So most people would just assume he was from Europe when he came to town just because we're like, well, that's not what people from the West look like. So this guy's got to be from Europe. <laughs> Fuck, here comes Anheuser-Busch going to rob my fucking train again. God damn it. He was also popular with women and was a true ladies man. But he loved ladies and ladies love him. The difference in a lot of guys we covered, though, he was uh, like a real ladies man. Like a romantic, like he was like a chivalrous guy, and it was in the West, so people didn't do that. He'd hold the stagecoach door open for his woman, you know what I mean? Like he'd, he'd take his uh, his velvet suit jacket and put it over a puddle of water yes. so she can step on Rose over petals it. in her little wooden barrel uh, <laughs> bathtub. With what he's saying, how they treated women back then, all he had to do was say, hey, how are you? And they're like, oh. <laughs> he's so nice, so kind. He didn't just hit me over the head. <laughs> Tell me like, to turn the here. goddamn butter. <laughs> He believed in treating women with respect and appreciation, and women just fucking loved him. It's weird. He's a murderer, mm-hmm. a quick draw, and a train robber, but he's, he's a romantic man. So in November 1883, he was arrested, charged, and convicted of larceny and jailbreaking and sentenced to seven years in prison, which he would end up doing most of. Most of? I feel like he has a... An escape plan or something. I think you got let out for good looks. <laughs> Not good behavior, yeah, good look, looks. You're way too handsome for this prison, bro. We got to at least shave two years off just for that. Warden walked by. I was like, oh, hold on. Get this man out of here. But I'm uh, keeping the suit. <laughs> while in prison, he met a guy. His name was Adelbert Bertie Sly. So they did some time together. He ends up getting released on February 16, 1889, and he moves to an area of Kansas City, Missouri, known as Seldom Seen. It was called that because any type of law enforcement was seldom seen in the area, and it was a hotbed for outlaw activity. We call that the east side. <laughs> that was not what I thought the media <laughs> no, was going to be. I, did. I thought because it, it was, was a like, remote area nobody yeah, had seen it. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, not like, like a real rural yeah. They got Detroit problems back then. Like, you call the cops, you don't see them motherfuckers. Like, what? Back then? Seldom Damn. Seen. So, yeah, he's... uh. He just kind of camps out in a seldom, seldom seen area. He starts just immediately getting back to his outlaw ways. That's the place to start it up. Yeah, yeah if the cops are seldom seen. Well, and you're not afraid of anybody. You're the person that people don't want to see in seldom scenes. Right. But he ends up catching up. He meets his uh, old prison buddy, Bertie Sly, and he's running what they called the Sly Wilson Gang, which was it's a four-man gang consisting of Marion, Bertie Sly, Illinois Jimmy Francis and Dink Wilson. Old Dink. Dabonair and Dink back together again. (laughs) 
I just really wanted to list them all because I really liked all the nicknames in their gang. Yeah. Little Jimmy Francis. Fuck yeah. Birdie Sly. Like, that's a pretty good name. Only one slack in there is Illinois Pete. Like, what the <laughs> fuck, dude? Come on. I love the fact that you can watch just get from, like, four, Texas or something. Get four people together and that's a gang now. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's four of us, man. It's a gang. We, we, we put two us. tag teams together. <laughs> now we got a gang. Well, at that time, were you going to be the one to be like, no, you're not a gang? No. <laughs> Absolutely okay. not. Right. No. <laughs> Because the cops ain't coming. Right. <laughs> well, they will, but seldomly. Seldom. <laughs> Every other Tuesday. The Sly Wilson gang, they're a notorious gang of highwaymen and safe blowers. They they rob people on the street, so they'll rob stagecoaches, which is another alternative, you know, means of transportation to move your shit across. You know, it's a the, train pulled by a different horsepower. Right, you know. and uh, they everything secured with safes. The so strong they, box was yeah. still there, filled with all the because in the you couldn't wire or have your shit sent out there. You traveled with it. That's why your stagecoach would have the driver that drove, and then the guy with the rifle. But when you got the four badasses coming today. That rifle guy probably got taken out quick. He's like, oh, fuck, man. Or just when you see the blue suit coming at you, like, oh, man, that's fucking Sapphire Don. Like, here we go. Just <laughs> drop my gun. Marion starts rolling with them, and yeah, they kind of do their highwaymen thing, and they're blowing up safes and shit, and he's like, you know what? You know what you can make a lot of money doing? Train robberies. And uh, he's like this super likable guy, and, you know, Andy's pretty good at it, so like, fuck it. You know, we'll uh, we'll do some train robberies. And he gets in tight with the gang. He marries Bertie Sly's his sister, Maggie. And within a year, the papers begin calling the gang the Hedgepeth Four. Yeah. That's a terrible name. Yeah. yeah all those na- <laughs> All those great nicknames, and that's what the papers came up for the, the name Hedgepeth of the gang. Hedgepeth Four. Yeah, it's terrible. So you got the Hedgepeth Four and Maggie, and they're just uh, kind of running around. They become this fear gang of, uh, you know, train robbers in the area. One time they hit three trains in one week, but one of those times they robbed a train for a thousand dollars. They just sent Marianne to bingo. Like, go ahead, you keep this one. <laughs> but then they got on a roll and they started hitting some big licks. On November 30th, 1890, they robbed a San Francisco Express train. It's the St. Louis-San Francisco Railway. Some people call it the Frisco Express, but it was one of the huge stop-offs because St. Louis is right in the Midwest, and from there they're moving it straight to San Francisco and we're building the fucking West Coast. So it was like this major railway. And it was famous for being hit by the James gang. And it was one of their big licks like 10 years later. So the Hedgepath 4, they robbed the San Francisco Express train. What they did was Hedgepath and another gang member hit on the train when it left the station. They climbed to the top and then over the coal burner and then jumped into the engine with the engineer and made them pull the train over. And then once the train was pulled over, they let the rest of the gang on and they were able to just hold everybody hostage. And they pulled out this whole big safe and they were safe crackers anyways. They blew up the safe with a stick of dynamite that blew off the whole side of the uh, train. How do you do that? And was it just gold bars in there, like no notes? Because I always think when you burn up all the notes. Prior to paper money. I, oh, okay. All See. coin. All coin. Ah, yeah. okay. There we go. The explosion hurt a railroad employee pretty bad, and they took all their money and bounced out. And they ended up getting away with $40,000. That time probably... Like what we would think of as eight hundred thousand or some shit, like a lot of money, one point two million. We're Sweet. rich. With that much money missing and the expensive damage to the trains and railroad employees, the railroads was a big business. So they hired the Pinkerton agency, who was the best at the time, and they had an infinite supply of money. So they hired the Pinkertons. 
who committed their whole agency and relentlessly tracked them down for the next several years. They were like the FBI of that time. Like that was basically getting the feds involved. But I mean, the Pinkerton agency to this day is still a yeah. big thing, but like detectives weren't even a thing. Like detectives are police officers now, but like mm-hmm. they've kind of invented in, invented detectiving. They're like, look for clues and shit. And you say, huh, that's interesting. <laughs> I never thought of that. We you just run over there. If we don't see them running away, they got away with it. Like, well, that's not a plan. Well, how are you a police officer? Well, see, I got this shotgun, right? And, uh... and this here tin badge that these guys in the bar gave me. <laughs> All right, what we're going to do, we're going to take a quick smoke break, refill our drinks, and we'll be back in a minute. Seven second death, scattering the children run, rub until there's nothing left. Ash 
Watchers in the water, sons and daughters hold their flags up high, wallow in the harbor as the military tanks arrive. Penetrate the border with disorder like an animal. Every war has the honor of turning kings into cannibals. All right, we're back. What it do, y'all? <laughs> All right, so I got us a, uh, I got us a shot to try. It's not a sipper; it's a shot. So I don't know. You guys just want to do salute? Do a shot? Cheers, fellas. A little bit of a caramel, <laughs> caramel vanilla, like a sweet. Is it a candy flavor, or something or another? Kinda. Bugs isn't fizzling it. <laughs> I was, I was expecting to be honest. I, I didn't make a face for like a taste. It was a surprise. Like, oh, it's real. It was more candy to me mm-hmm. than I was expecting. Hard, like it looked like whiskey. Uh, Laco explained what it is. Trying to figure out the flavor. Yeah, yeah. I just got done eating cheese. I got vanilla or like a like an English toffee type deal. Mm. So Not bad though. So what it is, it's uh, Dana White's new whiskey, the Hollerhead Whiskey, which is a banana whiskey. Banana, that's what it, okay. But, as soon as he said it, yep. But then it's mixed with uh, screwball peanut butter whiskey. So it's called a Fat Elvis. So you could do it as a shot, or you can make it as a cocktail, or it comes with like cola, too. I love peanut butter name. whiskey and banana whiskey together. Because he like peanut banana. butter and banana, banana. sandwiches? Yeah. yeah. Which those are delicious, by the way. Except I those are so bad for you. They got so much They're lectins so and shit that you don't even know about. But like, I felt like I could take a shit and die on the toilet drinking this. Like, <laughs> it tastes pretty spot on. Now that I got the flavors right, I did not know Dana White had a liquor, by the way. So I don't know if it's his or maybe it's just like one of his uh, companies, but he promotes mm-hmm. it pretty regularly, and the, the UFC is pushing it. So I'm sure he guy. stole it from a younger upcoming fighter. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> It's pretty good. To me, it's definitely a mixer because I don't like banana enough mm-hmm. to just drink a banana whiskey by itself. Whereas, like, the screwball is kind of dangerous because you can just... It's too candy. Like, yeah. oh, shit, I drank that much whiskey? I thought I was drinking... Right. Yeah, it's actually whiskey. It's not liqueur. It's actually whiskey. But it tastes like a melted uh, Reese cup. Like, I just yeah. keep drinking them. Given the... What is it? Fat Albert? Fat Elvis? Fat Elvis. Hey, hey, it could easily be, I'll have to get with Bill Cosby for some uh, copyrights, but uh, it could be a Fat Albert. Yeah, I'm giving the Fat Elvis a 7. Tell me 4. Fat Albert, the character, 7. did not 4. like some fucking... Yeah. 7.4. It was good? Will I drink it again? If it's there, I'm not going to go make it. <laughs> what, a 7.4 out of 10? Mm-hmm. Well, that's pretty good. That's then. damn good. That's, that's a C. You could can pass two. with C's. <laughs> Who are you telling? Oh, I know. Exactly. I know. You're preaching to the choir. We both know. So when we left off, Marion and uh, the Hedgepath 4 had hit their, their biggest lick to date, but now they had the Pinkertons on their ass. And Pinkertons were no joke, and they basically left no stone unturned to track them down. The gang ends up regrouping in Salt Lake City, and they decide that everybody should go in different directions and just kind of shake the Pinkertons off this way. And like, look, we all got plenty of money. Maybe we'll get back together some other day and pull another job. But for now, fuck it. We're out. Let's all bounce. With uh, my previous knowledge of these stories, I feel like that's not going to last very long, and they're going to end up messing this up somehow. So they all mess it up. (laughs) Every one of them. On January 23rd, 1892, Illinois Jimmy 
was killed after a shootout where he killed a policeman in Kansas. Wow. Mm. Birdie Sly was captured in Los Angeles and sentenced to 23 years in prison. He actually did his 23 years, got out, and fucking died in like 1940. Like never went wow. back to crime and shit. Like he did 23 years in prison and came wow. out I was like, you know what, I'm done with. Well, that really Robin. does resonate with that Billy the Kid, like from you know that yeah. story, like. Shit. Yeah, 1940s. You, you, you were fucking robbing trains. <laughs> you were robbing trains, and then when you passed away, we were in the era of people hanging off the side of cars with Tommy guns, robbing banks. Like you got to see it evolve into that. Well, by the time you got out of prison, you see that you're like, yeah, I don't know. I guess it evolved. <laughs> Whole new world. These kids wouldn't have made it in the 1860s. I'll tell you that right now. He's not a sly guy anymore. Let's see. Dink Wilson was arrested in Syracuse, New York, after killing a policeman. He was convicted of the murder and executed in 1894. Now, he really tried to get away, huh? All the way in New York. He came back to the East Coast because most yeah. one in Utah, one in Cali. Like, mm-hmm. most of those guys stayed out that way, yeah. it seemed like. Old dink. Yeah, so they all got busted. Marion kind of fucked up because he didn't want to leave without his wife, you know? So he had to ship her to San Francisco where he was trying to go. But he had to make sure, you know, he kept in communication and sent her fucking notes and stuff like that. So eventually... Her lawyer, who was like an alcoholic, fucked up something and uh, <laughs> ended up getting wed to the Pinkertons. And they 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 found out where he was at and they had back-to-back rooms and they went to the wrong room and arrested her. And he's like, oh, wait, 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 I'm here. I'm here, man. My bad. <laughs> Let the wife go. Well, he really did care about women to go to that fire. Could you really have an alcoholic back in those days? That's like, you know, yeah. you hear about You poured it on your cornflakes uh, in the morning for kids. Exactly. Like, it's like stories in other countries where you hear about, like, in the morning, like, with breakfast, like, wine is a part of breakfast <laughs> and everything like that. Like, you can't be an alcoholic if it's okay to drink all day, every day. Right. Or you have to be... It's just living. You have to drink so much. Like, what? how much do you have to drink to separate you from everybody else that's drinking well, all day? Back in the day, they walk into a room, they just pull them a two-finger fucking snort, <laughs> yeah. like some whiskey and shit, just pound that bitch neat. Like yeah. we but that's brushing their teeth. That's to yeah. go out in the morning at 5 a.m. I wake up at 5 in the morning, and one of you fucks burp some whiskey on me, I'm punching you. <laughs> so Marion was tracked down to San Francisco. On February 10th, 1892, he was arrested without incident. He was returned to Missouri to stand trial, and in 1893, he was sentenced to 25 years. Mm. Damn. Two of them got killed for fucking with cops. Like, you know, these stories always end. Even back then, you fucking yeah. kill a cop, you get it. The one dude got actually executed. But him, it seems like he got the raw deal on the sentencing because for back then, 23 years, the life expectancy, well, that's a life sentence back then. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, he got 25 and the other dude got 23. So, yeah, obviously, based upon what they had did, it was serious enough where they're like, no. And plus, you know how it is. You live long enough. There's so many new laws that come into play specifically for people that are either repeat offenders or people that's well, like some of those really are, hard to prosecute where they just, it's a new law. Now you're getting 25. You this know? guy in the gator cowboy boots and blue suit putting it in their <laughs> face for that long. Maybe he's a reason for the, let's make an example of them. Now all your, cause then you come up in the 1900s, then you're public enemy number one, all those mm-hmm. guys. So while he was in prison, he was a temporary cellmate of a man. It was a con artist who was in on fraud charges named H.M. Howard. And the two hit it off. And so Marion was like a real, what you were talking about earlier, he was that criminal that caught the eye of all the ladies. So they were sending like 
flowers to the prison and he decorated a cell with them and shit. And this guy fucking H.M. Howard is like, damn, this guy's cool and he's tall and he's handsome and he's a fucking killer and shit. Like, you I don't like to send him. him flowers too? <laughs> or steal his identity. Right? <laughs> well, no, get I'm thinking we name. get out together. I'm going to the steakhouse with him because he's bringing some, <laughs> some hoes around. You know what I'm saying? Like, shit. I'll be your wingman, bro. I'm pretty slick. I'm a fucking fraudster. So, I mean, they hit it off and uh, Howard kind of fucking looks up to him and he's like i got the scheme coming in i think i could do that i could bring you in on because i'm about to get out of here Marion's kind of like ah, i mean i don't know i'm kind of in prison for the rest of my life i don't know if i need in on a scheme right now so there's a couple different versions of what actually happened here but i'm going with the version that i like better but i'll touch on the other one later mm-hmm. so Marion's not too interested in working with him and his guy to win him over he's like dude they don't even know who they got like this name they got me booked under this is a fake name and what I did, that's like the tip of the iceberg. I've been killing ladies for like a decade. Wow. And I steal the fucking life insurance and just make all their money. So, like, I got these fucking crazy schemes, man. That Like, I'm the big time. <laughs> so he's a, now know, telling this to a notorious lady lover, he might what, he might be like, you know, I'm going to stab this dude in the goddamn throat. <laughs> but here's the thing is he said to win him over, this is what he told him. But, like, bro, don't you love ladies? Like, yes. Listen. Weird. A serial killer. He, yeah, this probably isn't going to um, – somehow I don't see them meshing well. Well, because my guy here, the our story guy, doesn't sound like he'd be friends with the American Jack the Ripper. We're right. going to find out here how it goes, but yeah. like it's well, interesting. And right I just here. like how – yeah, HM, whatever. He's a con fraud artist, all this. Well, no, well, turn out murderer. you're a serial killer. A serial killer. It's a little dark for me, Locke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so he tells him this and fucking Marion's like, dude, you're just killing ladies? I, I let people even pull their guns out before I shoot them. Like, I'm in prison because I gave up my late. I took my lady's spot. Like right. I could have got away with what I did. So, so that's where we differ. HM gets out, like he said, and Marion's kind of like, man, fuck this guy. So he goes to the prison authorities. And he snitches on him. Mm-hmm. He's like, hey, you should look at this guy, man. Uh, he's into some shit, and he's got the scheme he's about to set up. His testimony directly leads to a lengthy, lengthy investigation which eventually uncovers that H.M. Howard was actually the man that we now know as H.H. H. Holmes, who's sometimes referred to as America's first serial killer. And uh, he's responsible for the death for as many as like 34 to 200 women in a building that he specially designed with tunnels that he called his murder castle. Wow. So he was the first uh, Saw-type uh, move well, where <laughs> yeah. The real and, American and, Jack the Ripper. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, so... Marion's like, yeah, fuck this guy, man. I don't like him. And he goes and tells on him. So they start looking into him and they're like, hey, this guy's not like, hey, he's got like a dungeon underneath his fucking castle that he built. And then so not only would kill all these people, he'd fucking like steal their life insurance and shit like that. And that's actually what ultimately got him caught up was once they started, once they got on his trail, like Mm -hmm. all this paperwork for all his little cons and his, you know, different actions and all these different names came out. But they didn't even know. They only got on his trail because of the good work of our boy, so. Yeah, who could have just said, oh, damn, you are a real gangster. I guess I could, you know, I could use a little scheme. A little money goes a long way in prison. I'm down. Now, as they go into this investigation, they're like, holy shit, like, we really found something here. Like, this is, like, the fucking real deal. And uh, he eventually gets caught, goes to prison, and is executed for his crimes and shit like that. Uh, but Marion, at the same time, he gets, while in prison, he contracts tuberculosis and he becomes mm. real sick. And uh, between his bad health, his testimony, his good behavior. They he, cut him loose? Well, they give him up for parole. And he was like, he was real skinny. He had like sunken features. He's like thin and gray hair. Like they said, 
he looked like 30 years older. Like he was getting older, but he was like, he went into prison as big, handsome man. He aged super fast. Yeah. And he was just like, they said he's like hard to look at. Like he was just a skinny, sick, frail man. So they brought him up for parole. And, uh, you know, they're like, well, look, we're thinking about letting you out. You've been a model prisoner. You helped us catch this terrible human. And you're clearly all sick. And he's like, yeah. I'm fucking done with a criminal life. I just want to. Do I look like I could rob a goddamn train right. right now? Yeah, I'm done. In 1907, they release him for prison on parole. And then his wife nurses him back to health. He meets up with Doc Holliday. They join. <laughs> they form a new gang, the Tuberculosis Gang. <laughs> I like this that's story the, a lot better. That's the story. I like this. <laughs> Two quick draws. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Later that same year, 1907, he gets arrested and found guilty of robbing a storage house in Council Bluffs, Iowa. He just didn't really know what else to do. <laughs> so he just went and fucking was like, I don't know, just go rob this place. But it's 1907, and you know what I mean? You can't jump on your horse and run away or no shit like that. So he doesn't really know how to do it, and he's this old sick man. So they catch him, and they put him in prison. And uh, they put him in prison, and he was so sick that they fucking released him again in 1908. They're like, dude, just... <laughs> Just go lay down. Well, you almost wonder if it's so hard on the street when he gets out, if it's one of those Shawshank things like, man, I I just need the place to sleep and the food. Like, let me rob. I want to get caught at this general store. But then you fucks think you're helping me out. You let me out again. I'm going to go kick a fucking cop in the shin because I need the bed. You know, I I don't know what to do. I just want to come die here in prison. So they released him in prison in 1908. All he had was a blue suit. Uh, it was his original blue suit, but like he didn't fit in. I was a, it was way too big. <laughs> so he's just a little old man in his blue suit. He found a loaded gun and he moved to Chicago. And uh, he gets to Chicago. He just got his suit and a gun. And uh, he's desperate for money. But when we got to Chicago. He's like, everybody looks rich and everybody looks soft. Like this is like easy fucking pickings. Like, Not taking into account he's ebony and all. Like he's a skinny little frail like old man. Yes. Yeah. And it's Chicago. On Christmas Eve in 1909, which at that point, Big Jim Calasimo would now be starting to build his empire like in the levee <laughs> on mm-hmm. that side of Chicago. So this isn't, you know, Wild West Missouri in 1800s no more. But he just thinks everybody seems like they look yeah. like pussies. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's that's the thing. So much depends on what your ideology of a tough guy is, right? It's no different than, of course, you know, I can't get through a podcast without making some type of MMA or <laughs> jiu-jitsu reference, but it's like, you it's know. what you do. Exactly. It's, it's do. like, you know, we talk about a lot of times you, you go to something like that and it's the little nerdy guy that looks like he wants to fix your computer. He's probably the baddest guy in that gym that's going to choke you unconscious. But at first look, you would look like, oh, I, w- I would slap that guy. And it's like, uh you're probably biting off more than you can chew, but I'll sit back and watch it anyway. Yeah, <laughs> you're exactly. hanging off and you're like, oh, Exactly. Well, what I think is funny is he should have took a note from his own book. You walked in the tall, handsome, European-looking dude, and everybody mm-hmm. wants to mess with him, and you're a quick draw. Boom. Dead. True. Like, Yo, this dude looks soft. I'm going to fuck with him. Well, no. Like, it's Chicago. There's gangsters out here. Be careful. Everybody dresses nice now. So Christmas Eve, 1909, he walks into a saloon and held up everyone in it. <laughs> the problem is he's all by himself and he's just trying to stick up this whole fucking group and he's like robbing them one at a time and shit. They and, all have guns. <laughs> well, at one point he turns his back to the door and in Chicago, so there's just people all over. So a policeman just walks in and he pulls a gun on him. He's like, hey. What are you doing, <laughs> dude? Old man, what do you give that guy his watch back? You're lucky he didn't shoot you. Uh, Marion whirled on him, fired off two shots. Uh, one went through the officer's coat, but he missed both times. And the officer 
shot him twice, once in the chest and once in the head. Mm. And uh, Marion died on the spot on the saloon floor. Wow. Even had that officer on site not hit him since he shot at a cop. Yeah. It never fails. He would have been dead soon in this story. So <laughs> He was thinking, watch, I got this. Oh, you think because you got a gun on me? You don't know how good I am. <laughs> oh, shit, I'm a sick old man. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Oh, well, he was dead. still quick. He just lost his accuracy. I appreciate the effort. <laughs> I appreciate it. Well, kind of like you said, maybe that's the whole game plan. Like, I don't know. Either I'm going to get everybody's watches or I'm going to get a shot right here tonight. I don't know. But something's changing tonight. I can't go on like this. Yeah. So Christmas Eve, 1909, uh, he was shot to death on the floor of Sloan. He was buried in uh, the Cook County Potter's Grave, which is a lot of just where they put all the poor people and unnamed people. Blue Hill, like, like John Doe's go there. Like, Yeah. He was buried in uh, Potter's Grave in his blue suit. In the blue suit. That blue suit <laughs> has been with us since 1840. Whenever this, like, whenever he was 15 and left the farm, this blue suit has been prevalent. That's the story of Marion Hedgepath, the handsome yeah. bandit. So say goodnight to the bad guy. Go on. The last time you're going to see a bad guy like this again, let me tell you. Now, you know, that's one nickname that he should have gotten, and I don't know why he didn't. The Blue Suit Bandit. Yes. That would have been a great addition. All right. So now you guys haven't seen a picture, but if we were going to cast a movie about Marion Hedgepath, who would you cast to play him? I'm going to jump out here first because I've been thinking about this one, and it's not a fighter or any, it's an actual actor. So you're like, I got to say it before <laughs> someone it gets first. a turn and they yeah. say it first. I actually know an actor this time. Yes. Fuck that. Because they all think I'm going to say Ben Askew, but I'm not. I'm, hey, hey, that was <laughs> a young Liam Neeson. Young Liam Neeson? Yeah. When when I hear the description of mm-hmm. him, I can picture a Liam Neeson in a blue suit. And, uh, you know, them thinking he's, uh, you know, some guy from uh, Europe. That's uh, running around robbing I've got a people. particular set of skills. Exactly. It's robbing this fucking train. Robbing trains. Liam Neeson is actually who they thought Marion Hedgepith was. Yes. <laughs> like, oh, he looks like some big, handsome fucking uh, European yeah, dude. Exactly. I have who I think. I don't know his name. Maybe if I show one of y'all a picture. I won't know. Or if you say <laughs> what he's from, maybe. Or... No, I can't even figure that out Okay. Either. This guy. Oh, John Hamm. John Hamm. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. I'll show you all the pictures. Yeah. yeah. We Mad Men. Yeah. Right, right. Well, I mean, he is the consummate handsome man. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? If we're going for that, the dapper, you know, strapping dude. That's the guy. I'm going to go with someone off of his ilk, Josh Brolin. Just for a big, I think Josh Ham's a little bit too big. Yeah, he's a big guy, a burly guy. So, but like the guy I picked, Josh is... Same thing, pretty little chiseled face, yeah. like the slick back hair, but not as wide. You know what I mean? Right. Not so as. So you're going for the old sick, you know? No, I was, Josh. Brolin, I was thinking. I was looking at the the old the sweet train robbing one. Me That's too. Josh Brolin is the guy that played. He played Thanos and stuff. He don't look oh, like. Oh, okay. Okay. So, Josh Brolin did play Thanos. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, no, because nobody's going to know, like, when even the people at home, like, that's not what the dude looked like. I just want to give you, like, a size reference. Right. Like, Josh so. Brolin is the, uh, Josh Brolin's the No Country for Old Men guy, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I apologize. When you were telling your guests, I was figuring out mine. Who'd you say? Oh, uh, Liam Neeson. Yep. I remember that. Yeah. Okay. 
So here's pictures of Marion Hedgepath. Okay. okay. It's got more of a, a English look, not like Hugh Grant, but that that ilk, like See, that. He, he would shoot you for that. <laughs> yeah, he probably would. Hugh Grant, I'm definitely Josh Brolin, motherfucker. Right. I am fucking Thanos. Damn um, bowler hat though, you weren't. You rocked those. That fucking tie though, that Steve Harvey ass knot. Wow. It's fucking like yes, gigantic. Sir. It is. But that That's old Charlie crazy. Chaplin hat, that bowler hat. That's sweet. <laughs> Here's a picture of... Honestly, was was not what I was expecting. Yeah, no. either. This is him and his wife, Maggie. I ain't gonna, she looks better than he does. Look at that <laughs> hairstyle. Right? That's a slick part, bro. <laughs> oh, yeah. You, got, you need some pomade to pull that motherfucker <laughs> <Yes>. off. <laughs> and then this is uh, old Mary in, in one of his mug shots. Oh, wow, yeah. He lost a lot of weight. Yeah, Look that face, face got sunken yeah. in. That's I a... promise I'm not going back to criminal. <laughs> <laughs> hey, and you see, though, he's still got on a suit with a fucking bow tie and shit yeah. like that. Like, Looks a little, like, frumpier, but he's trying, man. Through the pictures, they convey that, like, you see his look never change. You could see almost when you, you could smell that bar in Chicago where, like, Hey, like he, like Locke said, I'm just gonna get a bunch of gold watches. Mm-hmm. I'm dying here, but his mentality never seemed to change. Like he was steady, nice and even throughout this whole from 15 till we get to what he looks like here. All right, so now we got to do the DefCon scale. Now standard DefCon scale is five to one, five being the lowest, one being the highest. But the bad guy podcast, nobody's a good guy. <laughs> so five would be Lee Murray who's your drug dealing bank robbing kidnapper and then at one you got the purple gang who's got multiple gang wars multiple massacres and they're killing people on the streets so on a scale of lee murray to the purple gang where would you rate marion the handsome bandit hedgepath i'm going i was debating between two and a three but i think i want to go with three only because you know he's a pretty pretty gangster dude imagine he has a lot of bodies a lot of train robberies in like even when he's sick and old, he was still jumping in there like, hey, we're going out with a bang. But he uh, he had some good in him, I feel like. Yeah. He wasn't down with A.J. Holmes. He's like, hey, this dude's bad, man. So even though he snitched, which, you know, he had to do what he had to do, you know, he still had some good in him. But he was also willing to get the job done. So I'm going with a three because he done been through a lot. But I kind of like him. You want to go, D.C.? I'll let you take this up. Okay, I'm going to go with a three as well for uh, some of the same reasons. But, like, it's already been established that a lot of this stuff is hard to, you know, he didn't grow up in our time. So it's not very easily internet confirmable. Mm -hmm. But in the stories that we know from back when he's 15, when he leaves the farm, when he robs trains and stuff, it's not a lot of, there is killing. Nobody on the show, like, is innocent. So when he robs trains and shit, it seems to be like he forces them to stop and they obtain the goal. They get the gold, the the boxes and stuff. Not a lot of just pulling up to shoot a guy in the head. And then the admiral part of like he's always been a ladies' man, but not like our typical gangsters that are ladies' man that just like to fuck a lot of different chicks. 
where that's admirable what he does for the wife when he could get away, not scot-free. Maybe he mm-hmm. just gets caught two years later, but they catch her and he has so much compassion for her and the drunk lawyer fucked it up. Like, Hey, I'm here. I'm in the closet. Take me. And then what it's really admirable. What he, this guy should get a lot more credit because back then that guy that was serial killing, if that nutty fuck was in this time, he'd mm-hmm. probably be like more famous than your son of Sam and your Zodiac killers and that mm-hmm. bullshit. Which shit we don't do, but we actually had a real serial killer cross into our gangster world in a alleged gangster who he was, a train robber and whatnot, turned him in in very few times where snitching is applicable, like snitches mm-hmm. get stitches, they end up dead, all the cliches, which they do, and that's wrong. Mm-hmm. But like when you go to prison for fucking beating old ladies or children or something like that. Mm-hmm. A blood, a crip, a Aryan brotherhood, a black guerrilla family, the Muslim brotherhood. That's one thing that unites and they get stomped. Like, so that compassion gives them a three. All the gang, all the train robbing and running with gangs and shit. Like, you, when you guys were in that four-man gang, because you were a four-man gang and so successful, I'm sure you did some shit that didn't make it in the 1880s newspapers. But, like Bugs pointed Only on, there was good the there. was seldom seen. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you get a solid three from me for... Those like in that like people at home like look at look up that story. That's really cool. Like I didn't know anything about the H. H. Holmes, like how like he had the I heard the name before and I knew he killed some people, but like you had the fuck dungeon and shit. Like yeah. this dude broke off. And then back then the technology, the Pinkertons were inventing detectiving investigations criminally. They just let that dude out of prison. He probably would have added two hundred more bodies on before their clueless ass got it. Right. So he did a really good thing. And that brings him up to a three. I was teetering with it, but he just wasn't a bad guy to me. No, he, he really <laughs> so, wasn't. No. So, Even with bodies, he did what he did. Like I'm going to give him a uh, – make sure I'm going in the right direction. Four, mm-hmm. right? Um, I don't think he was that bad. I'm all for fair combat, right? Now, yeah, he was a bad guy robbing trains and everything like that. But, you know, as you uh, kind of mentioned – the times kind of, if it wasn't a quote unquote fair fight, the times where there was a body, it was almost like an accident. Like when the safe blew up, accidentally killed somebody, you know, things of that sort. But other than a, you know, fair gunfight, but that's kind of what you did back then. I really don't hear the stories of him going around killing people. Well, in the beginning, he was a murder for hire dog on it. Well, that quick, that quick draw thing too. Like you're ah. you're fighting against another gunfighter in that. Well, to be fair, one, one of the stories, the dude had a gun drawn on him already. So I just imagine, like, look, I don't want to do this. He draws his gun. He's like, all right, That's now true, I gotta but... shoot you. Hey, there I, was I a... gotta bump him up for the gun for hire. I gotta, I gotta, <laughs> I gotta come to a three with you all. I knew you'd come but, around. Uh... <laughs> I knew you'd come around. And but, it's fucked up as he talked himself into it. Yeah, I did. <laughs> but, um, you know, but in general, um, a lot of the stuff that you all mentioned, you know, especially um, as time went on, I think he was even doing the gun for hire. I think it was one of the things he was really, really young. He had this skill of being good with a gun. He had just ran away from home. And it was like, how do I make money? He, he didn't have the skill of robbing a lot of that stuff yet. Once he got that, you really didn't hear about the gun for hire anymore, right? right. So I think he shifted over to something that was a little more, you know, and, and they said he didn't have a passion for it, but it was like, well, I either got to go kill people or I can rob mm-hmm. these trains. I'm going to go ahead and rob the trains, right? And uh, as you all he mentioned, evolved, you yeah. know, exactly what, what, you know, he did for his wife. 
turning that guy in, all those things, you know, you see that it was there was compassion behind the man. I do want to throw this in, though, because one thing that we always got to remember when you hear the word snitch, snitching is universally bad, but snitching is not the same everywhere. Right. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is so like even as you watch or, you know, you hear uh, mobsters talk like, you know, a lot of them have uh, YouTube channels and stuff now where you can hear if they were telling on somebody else that's not a part of their organization is not considered snitching. Right. Mm -hmm. The way I understood everything that when I was growing up, it was if me and you are doing something together and I tell on you that's snitching. If I just see you doing something, I just see you hit an old lady over the head and, and snatch her And purse, you describe me to the and law. I, yeah, that's yeah. not snitching, right? right? So I don't even consider what he did snitching. Right. I consider it very commendable. And to know that, and I'm pretty sure the only reason why I do mention it to him, because like he's a ladies' man. He probably know a lot of ladies that we can kill together. And, you know, uh, you know, the, the, the debonair bandit, he's like, wait a minute, kill. No, I love ladies. What are you talking about? I, I love them. Yeah. Well, like Bugs so, pointed out, he mm -hmm. was trying to win him over by saying, Hey, I get a lot of bitches too, but I take mm -hmm. them in the fuck dungeon. I kill them. Yeah. Oh, that's not cool. I think at, at some point we'll cover like an episode on snitching, but I think there is a definite. So there's a significant difference between like some, some of these guys, snitch on their boys like you said mm -hmm. you do stuff with them and then you get caught and you snitch on all your boys that you did crime with that's, that's being a rat and that's being a rat right mm -hmm. but now a lot of people want to label anybody that ever i guess cooperated or whatever into the snitch category and if you do that that's a dicey proposition because you can go back to like lucky luciano uh Deanna banyan some of these political connections the point of having those connections was to snitch mm -hmm. so you have cops on your payroll and you tell the payroll right. you tell the cops no they're over there mm -hmm. go fucking bust them mm -hmm. that was a snitch and you're not telling on your buddies you're just telling the cops like yeah go smash the competition's fucking business that's mm -hmm. over there so i was leaning towards a four because it seemed like low body count but I do have to, at some point, it becomes like the legal system where you look at precedents. Mm -hmm. And I do have a precedent of once you become gun for hire, contract for hire, that bumps you up a step because it's a different level of violence. Yeah. And he did walk away from it. but So I was leaning towards a four. Either way, it wouldn't matter because it'd be like a majority three at this point. So mm -hmm. I was leaning towards maybe a four, <laughs> but I definitely get a three. That's the problem with going last is you definitely get... First Influence. influenced by everybody's else's stories as they go, and but yeah, I'm comfortable with calling them uh, a majority DefCon three. Zach, this is Crystal Palace. Sink Norad has declared DefCon three. Scramble all alert aircraft. I repeat, scramble all alert aircraft. Nice. Before we go, you guys got anything? No, I'm happy to be back, man. Happy to be yeah. back in the studio. A uh, lot of fun as usual. Hopefully everybody wasn't upset for my very high caliber Heineken, three hundred percent alcohol. I was happy to share a drink with you, man. That's all. <laughs> thank no. you, thank you. Alcohol nor alcohol, you know, <laughs> your presence makes me. I'm, I'm there. I'm happy. I feel it, man. I'm happy to be. I'm ha happy for you to be back. I haven't seen you in a minute, so. Yep. All right. So this is say hello to the bad guy. Thanks for coming and thanks for listening. Deuces.
Yeah. Say hello to the bad guy. Bad guy. The good guy coming last place. Smell that dope when I pass by. I lay my money at a fast pace. Say hello to the bad guy. Down bad, my mama had to be dead. Spent my birthdays in the trap. We had to work with what we had. She been working on a raise while trying to raise me like a man. Plus my daddy in the box and all my cousins in the cam, man. And I don't need a hundred friends. I just want a hundred bands, a hundred jugs, a hundred scams, ay, ay. So I don't money, grabbed a hundred hams. I don't money, grabbed a bunch of bands. And I ain't wanna fall victim to that system or the pistols. Fuck a judge with a grudge. I'm blowing crud for my mental, ayy. Ay. And I still keep it on me. Run into your big homie. First you meet your dead homie, ayy. Yeah. Say hello to the bad guy. Bad guy. The good guy coming last place. You smell that dope when I pass by. Pass by. I like my money at a fast pace. Say hello to the bad guy. Bad guy. Good guy coming last place. Smell the dope when I pass by.